from downtown Milwaukee, welcome to Money Talk with Bob Landis. Each week, professional advisors from Landis and Company Investments discuss the latest financial developments, offering timely insight and long-term perspective. This is Money Talk for February 17th, 2023. Your Milwaukee Bucks, hot on a 12-game winning streak, will get a little rest during the All-Star break. Well, most of them anyway, will be cheering on Giannis and Giroux this weekend. The Bucks welcome the Heat back to the Forum next Friday. Hey, let's make it 13. Mm-hmm. Also, next Monday, the 20th, the markets will be closed in observation of President's Day. We'll be here if you want to call and chat, but if you want to make a transaction, it's going to have to wait till Tuesday. A Northern California jury found a 60-year-old man not guilty of driving under the influence. The jury decided his actions were justified after he was caught cheating on his wife. Defense mm-hmm. attorneys argued driving under the influence of alcohol was an act of necessity to escape two angry women, thus justified under law. <laughs> Heading south in Cape Coral, Florida, police investigating a car parked in the road discovered a local man, too intoxicated to speak, sitting in the passenger seat amongst a sea of empty beer cans. The man wasn't finished, though. In full view of the officers, he reached down into the pile of empties and retrieved one more unopened beer, then cracked it open. He was eventually removed from the vehicle and arrested under suspicion of DUI. In St. Petersburg, Florida, a woman upset with the police has called 911 14,000 times in the last year. Her personal best was 512 calls just in one day. She's now been charged with three misdemeanors, and the operators certainly aren't taking her calls anymore. (laughs) I got to say, all those calls must have really cut into her shuffleboard schedule. (laughs) Finally, our funny headline of the week. Man rams car into store after owner refuses plastic bag. On today's show, we've got Art Rothschild, Kendall Bauer, Joel Driesing, and wrapping up the week, here's Kyle Tedding. <coughs> well, thanks, Jason. A pretty mixed week overall. The NASDAQ up six-tenths of a percent, closing at 11,787. The S&P 500 down three-tenths of a percent, closing at 4079. And the Dow Jones Industrial Average down just a tenth of a percent this week, down 42 points, despite adding 130 on Friday, closing at the bell at 33.827 for the year. The Dow now up 2.1 percent, the S&P up 6.4, and the growth-heavy NASDAQ up 12.7 percent. Uh, also worth pointing out, yields on 10-year U.S. Treasury, 5-year U.S. Treasury, even the 13-week Treasury moved higher this week, potentially uh, art a sign that maybe the market's finally starting to believe that the Fed may be willing to hold interest rates higher as long as is necessary. I think, you know, we were in this market for a while where good news was bad news, bad news was good news, mostly a mixed week and mostly a mixed market for stocks this week. Yeah, not much happened, you know, at least to the stock market. The the yields going up in the 10-year, as you suggest, I think is a clear sign that the bond market speculators who've been suggesting now for months that the Federal Reserve uh, was at some point going to have to turn tail and start you know, lowering interest rates, um, finally learned the lesson that you don't fight the Fed. We've said it repeatedly on this show. Uh, the Federal Reserve is, is staunchly going to move forward to raise interest rates until they win the battle against inflation. Now, they might change what they're shooting for. Right now, they're still talking about bringing inflation down to 2%. We've moved in the right direction. Of course, this year we got some 
bad news on producer prices. They went up more uh, or didn't go down as much as expected, one or the other. I'm a little confused there. I'll let you, you guys straighten that out. But the, but the fact of the matter is um, I really feel good about what's going on, you know, not only this week but year to date. Uh, January was a good month. We still, despite the ups and downs every other day almost, the market is, as you suggest, higher. Um, and an interesting uh, symbol of what is going on, though, is, is as you suggest, the NASDAQ is up almost 13% year-to-date. The Dow, which is much more conservative, is, is only up 2%. I think that's a more proper reflection of perhaps the pace we should be going at. And I like the S&P right in between there, up about 6 year-to-date, just slightly higher than we were. It's a little over 6 now. It was about 6 at the end of January. So the fact that we've given back some of the gains that we'd achieved earlier in February, eh, big deal. I think um, it's, a long, it's a long battle. I think you're pointing out the right thing there, right, that gains don't always come in the same place. <clears throat> and Kendall, you know, we've talked considerably about the value growth conversation. Pretty significant shift this year in terms of market leadership. Yeah, <clears throat> interesting. Um, you know, growth got hit hard last year, and rightly so. Um, speculative investments tend to, to get hard, hit the hardest in, in bear markets. So to watch growth come you know, racing back this year, I think is it's a good reminder at the end of the day um, why we'll always hold a, a you know a well balanced mix of growth, value, and blend, um, and why you know it's worth staying invested even when you go through a rough year like last year in your growth stocks um, because you have a month like January and the start of the year like we've seen this year. Well, and let's be clear about what some of that discrepancy has been. Clearly, you look at 2022 pretty strong year for energy stocks. One of the only places really that had a strong year. And so I think you look at, well, a meaningful component of the value index and an almost non-existent component to the growth index is energy stocks in a year in which just about everything but energy is selling off. You'd expect that. And then fast forward to this year, we've seen some stabilization in interest rates, although, you know, Art, you pointed out maybe a little bit higher this week, certainly signs that maybe rates stay higher for longer. Um, that's a little bit of pressure on growth stocks, but not enough based on what we were seeing last year to really completely disrupt that. And so I think, you know, Kendall, you're spot on. This idea that, um, you know, it's value or growth is the wrong way to think about this. It's, yeah, okay, there's opportunities out there and there's risks. And what's the right place to lean in? What's the right place to lean out? You know, Joel, I think, Art mentioned producer prices. We got data on both consumer and producer prices here. Um, and signs that while it's better than it was, we still have a ways to go. That's right, Kyle. I mean, you look at consumer price index, which is the biggest measure that we have of uh, inflation, and that was 6.4% from year to year uh, in January. And that's down from 6.5% the month before. So you know, it's some improvement, as Art said, it's going in the right direction. But it's such a long way away yet from the Fed's target long term of 2%. Um, again, putting it in perspective, we were at 7.1%. Um, I'm sorry, 9.1% in June. So it's come down a long way, right direction, but still it's a long way to go. And, and producer prices are, are more the wholesale uh, inflation. And um, that was up on a monthly basis in, in January. Um, year to year, again, just like the consumer price index, it was down a smidge from the month before, so in the right direction. But th there are, 
you know, when you d- dig below the surface, there are numbers in there that suggest that the progress that's being made in lowering inflation is starting to slow. Well, and I think it's clear when you look at the earnings numbers from the fourth quarter, and in particular, um, the discrepancy between S&P 500 earnings, which from a from a fourth quarter perspective, we're going to see a decline of probably around 2.8 to 3% for S&P 500 companies, maybe another couple of quarters of decline baked in. But from a revenue perspective, right, for what, what do sales look like versus what do the earnings on those sales look like, revenue actually grew, uh, you know, almost 5.5% in the fourth quarter. We're, we got about 20% of earnings season still to go here, so a little bit left. But I think it's pretty clear at least what the direction of that is. And so, um, you know, as we look at kind of this pricing issue, it's clear that, um, you know, the input costs have been part of the problem eating away at earnings as we finally start to see that come under control. And whether that's this quarter, next quarter, it's not really a question of if, it's more a question of when we finally get there. Um, that becomes less of a headwind for earnings. And as you look later into this year, forecasts start to look pretty strong. So um, I guess the, you know, kind of point there is, you know, the concern is slowing economic growth slows earnings growth. Well, we're already in a slow earnings growth environment. We have been for a little while. We're likely to be there for a little while longer. But a reminder that stocks are forward looking uh, and looking to the growth that's likely to come later this year. And Anna, uh, the investors have looked past the fact that the earnings estimates the less companies reported better earnings than typically report better earnings than what the analysts forecast. And so despite the fact that we're seeing declining earnings, um, as you've indicated, the stocks are higher. And so that tells you that the stock market as a leading indicator is suggesting, as you just suggested, that uh, things look brighter in the future, which is very positive, I think, for what could transpire over the course of the rest of the year. You know, Kendall, we get a lot of questions from clients on, okay, when's the recession going to be here? Everybody assumes that it's the next shoe to drop. Um, and I think for a while on the podcast, we've talked about how it's certainly a possibility, but it appears, at least based on the strength that's out there in the economy right now, that whatever recession we see could be fairly short-lived, fairly shallow. Um, it doesn't mean it's not going to hurt. It doesn't mean that there aren't going to be people that are impacted. Um, But an interesting article from the Wall Street Journal this week uh, talking about how this, the the recession word may not be the the right R word. They're calling it a rich session. Um, When you look at where some of the pain has come so far, um, it's come in higher paying jobs. It's come in the tech sector. It's come in areas of the world where um, in the past they may have been a little more insulated. But based on some of what was going on the past couple of years, you know, we're seeing a little more shakeup. Yeah, I think it, anecdotally, I'm sure if you are somebody that was laid off from one of the tech companies, it sure feels like we're in a recession. Um, but important to look at uh, tech relative to the rest of the job market. Um, tech did a lot of overhiring, which I think is pretty clear now the last few years. Um, and so they have laid off quite a few workers. But when you look at it from the perspective of how many they hired, you know, it's it, – it's understandable to see them starting to, to trim some of the fat. So I think you got to be careful um, when saying or, or saying, hey, uh, we're in a recession because I lost my job, right, or, or this industry has laid off people. Um, 
because sometimes it can feel like we're in the midst of recession depending on the industry in which you work in. Yeah, and of course, I think important to point out that the labor market as a whole actually still looks quite strong. And so, you know, 12,000 people being laid off here, 15,000 being laid off there, those are massive numbers, um, meaningful impact on the lives of those workers. But, um, and not to minimize, but I think a reminder that in particular for some of those lower paying jobs out there, there's plenty of openings and we've got a, a shortage of workers for the jobs that are available. And so if what you're concerned about is, can the economy, can consumers continue to spend at the rate they're spending at? Well, the the bulk of consumption takes place in those middle income and lower earners. Uh, and I think it's clear that they continue to have a pretty solid foundation in terms of labor market. And so um, if these types of layoffs we're seeing right now are indicative of recession, if the uh, pain that we're seeing in technology and some communication services stocks are indicative of some kind of economic slowdown, it probably looks a little different than some of the other ones we've talked about in the past. And I think that was the point of the article is, hey, maybe buying you know stock in Louis Vuitton or Coach might not be the place you want to go. Maybe the stuff you want to own for the next few months is some higher uh, some higher or more defensive businesses, whether it's buying Campbell's Soup or buying, uh, you know, those those stocks that people are going to buy, whether they've got an extra dollar or not to spend. So I think that's kind of the the take for me right now is, yeah, economic slowing is certainly in the cards. It's intentional. It's what the Fed is trying to accomplish. Um, and yet there are some things, there are some areas that continue to look pretty attractive based on the broad economic strength. And Kyle, I th think um, getting back to what Art was talking about before, about not fighting the Fed, I think that to the degree that the markets have been fighting the Fed, that they've been second-guessing the Fed and saying, hey, wait a minute, you're not really going to keep raising rates. Hey, wait a minute, you're going to lower rates later in the year, that that's to the degree that that's been, you know, fueling some optimism, some exuberance. I think that that's actually been hurting what the Fed's been trying to do as far as slowing the economy because um, consumers feel more optimistic. There's that wealth effect of watching stocks go up and, and feeling that they're not that bad off. And even those tech workers, um, a lot of them, uh, you know, um, more so than, than lower income, uh, more middle class, more middle educated workers, um, have severance. So, um, all these layoff announcements isn't really going to result in a lot of, you know, economic bloodletting. Um, so the the, po the point I'm trying to make is is that there's this sort of a, you know we talk about a wage uh, price spiral as far as inflation. Um, there's there's almost this exuberance spiral of you know getting so optimistic that it feeds the the, the market rallies and that's you know sending more people. Uh, to the store's spending. Yeah, and those people are getting jobs faster than probably ever before in history. The so tech these, workers. These are highly, yeah, right. highly yeah, skilled yeah. people. These, the, the studies are suggesting they're getting jobs right away. And as you indicate, the you know, lower class working people or the you know, people on the lines, we need more of those people. So we have an economy. It's not inconceivable that you know, others are talking about the fact, forget about soft landing, forget about recession, you know, this concept of no landing. So this economy is so strong, the Fed can keep raising interest rates and potentially not cause a recession, which is a, not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Um, they're going to try to slow. Housing might slow. Some things might slow. 
but everything else keeps going, there's going to be somebody making money out there, and that's why you want to stay invested. And I think that's what the that's what we saw in January was, as you suggest, these animal spirits. People want to get in the game because I think it's more likely than not that the Fed at some point is going to stop raising interest rates, you, which is fine. You just don't want to see them have to lower interest rates to, to stimulate an economy that's falling. And so if we can keep that economy going, and I'm pretty confident that they're going to continue to be jobs created in this country. Um, because of all, bring, bring the jobs back to America, and um, people are spending, too. And, and another point, too, we were stimulated that the stock market went up in 2020 and 21 because of money that was artificial. It was money, you know, dropped on people by the government or because interest rates were so low and people could go out and buy everything cheaper. And, of course, we didn't have enough production to meet the demands of those people who wanted to buy stuff. So we had supply chain problems, prices going up. And all those problems are dissipating. Um, maybe this is Goldilocks. You know, we'll find out. But so far, so good this month. Knock on wood. I just want to see, see it keep going. Yeah, perhaps the mistake we're making is assuming that the law of gravity applies to markets, right? The exactly. way it applies to the physical world. You know, I think the reality is that there's enough levers that can be pulled or unpulled to avoid the landing itself, forget hard or soft, as you say, but allow the economy to, okay, we're going to slow a little bit. We're going to kind of moderate for a while. Um, but there's an there's an avenue that we can take here that allows us to kind of step back into acceleration. And that's things like Industrial Revolution 2.0, right? This whole rebuilding of the manufacturing base here in the U.S., but in North America more broadly, um, with things like semiconductor manufacturing, with all the kind of services that go with bringing that back here, you know, that's that's kind of what we're getting to when we get beyond some of the immediate concerns is, all right, I'm actually pretty excited about what the second, third, fourth step look like. And yeah, if you have a hard landing, it's harder to get there. If you have a soft landing, it's a little easier still. Um, but most importantly, if you just kind of moderate out for a little while, you, you're ready to take that step pretty quick when, when the time comes for it to happen. So I think it's the right way to be thinking about things. There's plenty of risks out there. There always are. There's plenty of reasons to think that maybe we're a little overblown so far this year, especially in the NASDAQ, up you know more than 12.5%. Um, it doesn't necessarily scare me about the long-term prospects for stocks, though. Joel... Uh, we touched on CPI and PPI, but uh, maybe a, a little bit of housing data this week as well. Some signs that the housing markets continue to impress, even as rates are higher, even as maybe some some other issues are out there for yeah. for housing. Yeah, Kyle, we had um, numbers on uh, housing starts and building permits. Um, so for and and there I tend to look at the the single family because that's the predominant you know market and it's. The better indicator of, of housing overall, but so uh, for single-family houses, for building permits, it's been down 11 months in a row. It's been down nine out of the last 11 months for housing starts. Um, at the same time, though, the, the pipeline is is still pretty full. We're still near the record. Uh, number of houses that are under construction. So even though with higher mortgage rates, um, the appetite, the demand for housing for new housing is going down, the number of houses that are out there being built um, is, is still, you know, like I say, at, at record levels in, you know, data that go back to 1970. So there's another 
reason to be encouraged about a soft landing or a, a you know a, no sort of a landing, you know, no recession of the the fact that there are jobs out there that there are projects that are uh, yet to be done. You know, I think just more signs that for every concern we can come up with for what's going on in the markets, there's another data point, there's another uh, thought out there about how this gets better. And I think mixed signals are usually pretty strong for the market. Um, It gives you opportunities to see some resolution. You keep investors interested in kind of the risks and that keeps things in check. It doesn't allow for the irrational exuberance that we've dealt with at certain points in time in the past. And so if nothing else, I think it provides for some more sustainable returns. You know, maybe with that, uh, just a reminder that we enter our four-day darkness retreat here this weekend. <laughs> um, and uh, Aaron Rodgers should emerge next week, Monday. Uh, if he sees his shadow, I believe he stays with the Packers. So um, know that that'll certainly be on our minds as we look to uh, kind of the, the, the sports conversation here down the road. Uh, which I know uh, we we like to get into our openings. But uh, most importantly, enjoy doing the program for you. And we look forward to talking to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Money Talk with Bob Landis. If you have a financial question you want answered on next week's show, email it to moneytalk@landis.com. To keep informed throughout the week, visit our Money Talk page at landis.com.